my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, it's Friday, and you know what that means? Clark stinks. I get to hear how I've let you down straight ahead. Also, the child tax credit's creating a lot of questions. I'll address some of them later in this episode. So the purpose of Clark Stinks is simple. It's really important that you hear from me advice and information and opinion you can trust. And there are times there's something I say that is incomplete, in your opinion, inaccurate, or just plain dumb. And so I want to hear from you. And if you go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, post your feedback for me. And then weekly, Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, I love, I love this first one. I'm going to start out with Clark. I took Clark's advice and shifted to a discount cell phone carrier. My wife began to complain of drop calls and text messages arriving days after they were sent. A wiser man would have cut his losses, but I powered ahead with the self-install home security system when I noted that ours was $65 a month. $65 a month? My wife then informed me that she liked the old system. She knew how it worked and felt safe. She sadly, with some reason, had no confidence in a system that I had installed. She also wondered how I had worked the cost of a new Tesla into the bathroom (laughs) remodel budget. I explained this was how things were done in Congress, and Clark loves his Tesla. She then stated that if I ever needed a divorce attorney, she hoped I would take Clark's advice, as she was pretty sure that she would get all of my assets, including the Tesla. I'm back on the expensive cell network. I am signed up for the old home security system. I have cable internet and satellite TV. I will continue to listen to your show, but I'm glad the Tesla has camp mode. Tom. <laughs> Tom, I'm sorry that a lot of my uh, cost-saving methods cause distress in your marriage. And the great thing is you do have the Tesla to live in if you need to. Clark answered a question about shrinkflation of toilet paper, but he didn't answer with the best solution to this problem, and that's to get a bidet. We got one over a year ago when the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 happened, and it has been the best decision we could have ever made. I will never go without my bidet again. The cost was about $34. It connected right to the toilet we already had, and it has saved a lot of money not buying as much TP. It's also better for the environment because the water you use in the bidet is way less than the water that is needed to make toilet paper. John. John, thank you for that post, and I don't know if you've seen the sale of bidet adapters for toilets has skyrocketed in the United States. You know, it's been something in Japan, that's the way everybody does it. And it's something that gradually has moved across the United States as something that people like. And I, over time, I would think it is cheaper. Okay, there were a few about this one regarding the post from Jennifer, whose flight was delayed 30 minutes, and then she received a call that her daughter was going to have an emergency C-section, so she skipped the flight and went to the hospital. 
She doesn't want to call the airline because of crazy wait times. Clark said calling the airline wouldn't help, and she should appeal to humanity and post on social media what happened and see if the airline will make an exception and give her credit. Really, Clark? She should air her dirty laundry on social media without even trying to contact the airline? Your advice stinks. The airline did nothing wrong, and the lady didn't even ask them for a refund. So why should she publicly shame them into giving her a credit? She bailed on the flight at the last minute, so the airline didn't even have a chance to try to sell that seat to another customer. Shame on you, Clark. Cynthia. Cynthia, thank you. And, you know, if you've tried to reach an airline lately, you'll find out it's very, very difficult to reach a human on the phone. I get what you're saying, that the situation was an ultra-unusual situation with her finding out about the emergency C-section, and she would have been in the air already flying if the flight hadn't had a delay. Um, Airlines right now are pretty generous about giving future credits, and so in the odd circumstance that she found herself, I think it's reasonable to seek that credit, but it doesn't mean that she will in fact receive it. As an electric razor user my whole life, I've never at needed to buy any razor blades for myself. I recently needed to go to the store and buy my wife some disposable blades for shaving. A five-pack of dual-blade razors from Walmart was only 97 cents. A five-pack. In other words, you spend time meticulously drying the blade to attempt to extend the life of a 19-cent product. Insert shocked face emoji here. That's a fine line between saving money and just being cheap. My stinky podcast friend, in response to Blades, you have crossed that line. Love the show. Keep it up, Stephen. <laughs> so um, one thing I did learn, Stephen, from other posters about the razor blades is I now use an electric razor a lot of times when I'm just trying to clean up a little and not get a really close shave. And so I think my ultra inexpensive razor blades may outlast me uh, that their lifespan will be longer than my remaining lifespan. Be careful with the spacing between your words. You were recently talking about food delivery app fees to the consumer and restaurant, and you said that combination really sucks all the money out of your wallet. For a split second, I thought you had really developed a potty mouth since transitioning to podcasting. All kidding aside, I think you and your team are pretty great and do do everything terribly well. I love listening to you and have learned a ton. Keep up the amazing work, Byron. Byron, so I talk very slowly. It is, uh, I guess it's a character defect that I speak very slowly. And, you know, with a lot of podcasts, you can speed me up a little bit. And you might find running me at 1.1, 1.2 will bring some time back into your life and eliminate those gaps that you hear from me between words. Clark, your idea of having parents boost their child's credit score pre-adulthood stinks worse than a sweaty silverback gorilla eating year-old hard-boiled eggs in the middle of July. I will dispense with the issues of a credit-filled world and leave out how children need to be taught to use cash instead of credit. Well, I guess I didn't leave it out. The bigger issue with your lame brain idea of supercharging a child's credit is their lack of sense. I started with a $300 card limit. If I failed to meet my end, it would be much easier for me to learn my lesson the hard way and get back on track. My current above 800 credit score gives me the ability to pretty much name my credit amount. 
If I start my child with such a big high score when they hit adulthood, it could be much more difficult for them to come back from an $18,000 limit. I almost fell for your scheme to create new credit-dependent adults. Then I realized there is a reason that you run before you marathon, Charles. Charles, thank you. And you are so right about this that a lot of times as a parent, when you do something that in isolation seems good, like helping them establish a credit identity, that it can be too much of a good thing that becomes a bad thing, that they could end up, before they have financial responsibility built into them, charge up a ton of money on credit cards. That is completely a valid thing. So you have to know your child. And kids are different one to another. There are kids that are uh, just wired to be very responsible. And there are others that maybe tend to be a little more carefree, maybe even a little reckless. And so I don't think this is one that you should say you should never help a child establish a credit identity. Um, I think it really depends on knowing your individual kid. We had four people write in about this one. In response to the guy who said a trusted friend recommended some deal that Clark said was a scam, I think Clark missed a big red flag. The friend might be a trusted friend, but could have been hacked. I had my office mate email me from her personal email account asking for me to pick up a virtual gift card for her niece. All very legitimate, except my office mate was a few feet away from me and I was able to ask her. It took her a long time to figure out how the person was hacking her account. It turns out they were using some instant messenger function because the person was still communicating with me playing dumb after she changed her password, logged out all devices, and cleared histories in her computer. Kathy. Kathy, thank you so much for that. Um, my wife has a relative who's been hacked three times. The criminals really have figured out how to get into her life. And all her contacts get messages saying, hey, I got this great opportunity for you, this deal, whatever. And because of the nature of the messages people are receiving on social media or through email, people know it's not really coming from my wife's relative. But that is a very, very smart thing that several people have pointed out that the messages you're receiving from a supposed friend might not be that friend at all. When talking about selling your minivan to downsize, you should have mentioned that a lot of people could downsize even further and get a cargo bike. My wife and I live in an area where everyone has one car per person, but when we realized my work is a 20-minute bike ride away, we decided to share one car, which will save us thousands of dollars over our lifetime. A lot of people who live in denser areas can make most of their trips by bike, saving the environment and their wallet. Graham. Graham, this is a a great thought. And in fact, I think we're going to talk sometime soon on the podcast about all the ways people are reducing the number of vehicles they have in their lives by using alternative transportation. You're talking about bikes, but let's go wider. There's a lot of stuff in this area that can save you a fortune and help the environment if that is something that you care about. Clark, you don't stink, but your affinity for diet soda does. There are so many studies showing all of the negative effects of diet sodas, including increased calorie consumption post-beverage, not to mention all the chemicals that are in them. Keep up the good advice, but stick to water. Jake. Jake, I appreciate this, and I want to tell you, you are not alone. I have successfully reduced the amount of diet drinks that I consume, but I still drink them. I, I drink a ton 
of water now, which was something I didn't used to do. Um, but it is a lifelong habit that is probably my worst eating and drinking vice. Probably yeah. so. So and Coke's, Coke's changing your Coke Zero formula. I know, I know. They, I guess they've been doing the taste tests and the Pepsi Zero Sugar tastes just so much better than Coke Zero Sugar. <laughs> They're having to mess with the formula. I don't know if you know that background. You're too young. There was something called Oh, I know, New, New Coke. Coke, of course, yeah. You were you were a mere my father worked then. for PepsiCo for thirty six okay. years. So Coke uh, did this change in formula in the mid eighties and came out with this thing called New Coke because when they did blind taste tests, people overwhelmingly preferred the taste of regular Pepsi. So Coke messed with the formula and upset people a lot. And wouldn't admit they messed up. And then eventually they came up with Coke Classic, Classic yep. which was the original Coke formula. And it remains the formula for regular Coke. But this will be the second or third reformulation of Coke Zero Sugar. Clark, your wealth is showing. Many people with very little money have been waiting months for their IRS tax refunds. You showed sympathy for the IRS, but not for the little people who now have no money for their family vacation or a needed large project. My husband and I are owed a refund because as self-employed people with highs and lows in income, I have to guess what we'll owe. The government was able to get COVID relief money out to people within weeks. The same government could give people their refunds if it wanted to. Stop excusing customer no service from the government. Paula. Paula, I am really, really sorry about the wait for refunds. I've talked about the problem with the refund several times, the 30 million returns that apparently have not been processed. And this is causing real harm to people. And I, I know what you're saying about for you that you have more withheld because you're worried with irregular income, you can end up owing tax. I'd almost rather you do that than be in a position where you're waiting a significant period of time for your refund from the IRS. And I apologize if I've sounded insensitive. To the woman who saw a rat napping on her condo property and the HOA refused to acknowledge her complaint, Clark suggested she take a picture and threatened to post it on social media. Clark, we pay municipal taxes and those taxes help to fund local code enforcement agencies. Code enforcement covers rodent, pest, and other infestations, which can be harmful to public health. Please tell this poor condo owner to call 311 right away. Government has much bigger teeth, in quotes, that can hurt the HOA board than any social media does. Kenneth. Kenneth, thank you for that. And, you know, the thing with association boards not being responsive, I have served on several association boards. It is a really hard job in many situations thankless you know they're all volunteer neighbors doing the work and a lot of times things fall through the cracks and the situation with the rat uh, fell through the cracks and your idea of calling code enforcement if it's actually uh, a real enforcement agency where she lives that is a good suggestion I appreciate it very much I want to know all of you who take the time to post these reviews of me at clark.com slash clarkstinks, I really appreciate it because doing an ad lib podcast like this, there are times I'll say something and not be complete with my answer or miss part of the picture. 
and it truly helps me serve you better when you do take this time. I want to tell you, coming straight ahead, we're going to talk about the child tax credit and whether you should opt out. We've been getting tons of questions about this. We're getting so many questions, very specific ones, about the one-year child tax credit that gives a big, big credit to Americans with minor children. And these payments that are coming right now are in advance against what you will be eligible for on your return next year. So what's happened is there are any of a number of specific situations where people are actually experiencing what's going to be a tax time bomb. You're getting these credits month by month that are going to post into your account by direct deposit. And then when you go to do your return next year, you're going to have to pay the money back in many cases. So we're going to go to a question someone has about it in just a second that gives you an example about how complicated it is. But I want to give you just a heads up who these people are generally who may be receiving these monthly payments that you want to let the IRS know thanks but no thanks and discontinue them right away. So the July one you will have received, but you can potentially stop August and forward getting these. As a general rule, if you're a single filer and you have young children and you earn more than 75000 a year or a married couple with minor children and you earn more than 150000 a year, there's danger here in receiving these checks um, because you may have to pay back a portion or all of the money when you do your return next year. So you could receive the payments this year, put them into a savings account, and then know that that money may have to be paid back next year, or if you'd be too tempted to spend it, go ahead and let the IRS know that you don't want the money anymore. Then there's another circumstance you got a question for me about. Well, I have a couple. Well, the first one you might have already addressed from Kathy in Georgia, who says, why are people opting out of the monthly child tax credit that's supposed to start this month? Okay, so that's really what I just addressed is that Uh, There could be income reasons, but another is one we've had several questions about, and that is divorced couples of a minor child. What do you have on that? Lynn in Oklahoma says, I'm divorced and I have a son who is 16. I claimed him on my taxes for 2020. His dad will claim him in 2021 as per our divorce decree. I received my first payment of $250 for the tax credit this month. However, I'm worried that I will need to pay it back when I file taxes for 2021 since I won't be claiming my son then. I've read a lot of news articles about this child tax credit, but nothing I could find addresses this type of situation. I know I can't be the only divorced parent who is in this dilemma. Should I ask to stop the payments going forward? And Lynn, you are not the only divorced parent because we have heard from so many. And in your situation where you go Uh, from one parent to the other, you know, on and on and on, who gets to claim a child each year. In your case, the cycle is working against you. So as I understand it, you want to discontinue those payments because, yes, you would have to pay the money back next year because your ex-husband would be the one who would be eligible for that money 
from the child tax credit because remember this is an advance and I don't the government did this as an advance for one of two reasons one hopefully this is the real reason was there are people who've been hurt by unemployment cycles of unemployment through the pandemic and this gets some money into their hands because a lot of people who have stayed unemployed it's been because they have minor children at home that have kept them from being able to go back to work and so this is money that they can use to eat to pay rent pay expenses pay utilities that's the official thing but a lot of times these kind of things are passed by congress so that everybody will love their congressmen or senators by having these little payments show up month by month I don't know which this really is, but it does complicate things for people. And in your case, stopping the payments seems like a good idea. All right. And on a different topic, Maria in Florida says, I remember Clark telling his listeners that there were a particular kind of U.S. savings bonds that were no longer going to be available by the end of March or April of 2004 or 5. He encouraged listeners to go buy some to take advantage of the benefits that type would afford them. Which kind of savings bond was that? Wow, this is going back into trivia. My recollection is these were the HHs. HHs allowed you to defer tax on older issued savings bonds and get you 20 more years of income from them before there'd be any tax issues. And they were very popular to a fault. It was costing the government a lot of money. And people who got them back then are receiving really decent interest payments. Now, an annex to this, and I mentioned this about two months ago, a savings bond that used to be a real deal back um, 20 years ago is a good deal right now in today's low interest rate environment. And that Series I savings bonds, which I for inflation, we are in an inflationary cycle right now for who knows how long this will go on, if this is a a 21 problem or an ongoing problem. So having savings bonds that adjust based on the rate of inflation is a good place to put money, especially when CDs and savings accounts are earning such puny amounts. You can put up to $10,000 in a year into Series I savings bonds when you buy them electronically. And if you want to know how they work, go to savingsbonds.gov. Ron in North Carolina says, I am plan to sell my home soon and I'm thinking of using Redfin to save 1% of my seller's fee. Do you recommend using them to sell a house? Um, I get really zero complaints about Redfin, which is one of the low frills, no frills kind of real estate agencies. And if you want to give it a try, you're going to be responsible for more of what goes on potentially with selling your home. But it's weird for a company to be involved in transacting the most expensive thing we have that I never hear complaints about Redfin. So it is worth a try, but know that it's different than using a typical traditional real estate agent. Tanya in Georgia says, in June, I replaced my broken HVAC system with a new one. The financing was a 0% interest loan for five years using a big bank and their home improvement card. Yesterday, I read that Wells Fargo, the bank, is closing everyone's accounts, and this close will affect their credit scores. 
I don't believe it will be possible to find another zero interest loan before the 60-day period is over. Do I have any recourse? So my understanding is that the type of loan that you have is different than the personal loans that Wells Fargo is canceling. And Wells Fargo would face a lot of additional embarrassment and legal action if they've entered into a contract with you for five years at 0% and they turn around and renege on it. So I would be just blown away if you were affected by this arbitrary move by Wells Fargo with people's lines of credit. And I want to hear from you if you end up having any kind of notice sent to you. I need to know right away if Wells tries to renege on your five-year deal. Bruce in Utah says, I work for a small business marketing consulting firm that required me to sign a non-compete agreement. I hated to sign it, but I felt I had no other choice. I have a prominent position at my firm, but I'm not a C-level executive. How likely is it that President Biden's new executive order will nullify my non-compete, and when can I expect it to take effect? That is a question that I'd really like to know the answer to myself. It is unclear how much authority the uh, White House is going to have to do away with non-competes. If you've listened to me for any number of years, you would know that I despise covenants not to compete, that they hold back economic growth in the United States, and they severely harm workers. There are very, very few circumstances where covenants not to compete are justified. Those would be cases where people have access to significant trade secrets at a company. But as I made so much fun of the sandwich shop chain, Jimmy John's, it used to require its drivers to sign a non-compete that they couldn't go work for another sandwich chain, that showed clearly how idiotic and ridiculous and harmful to the United States these covenants not to compete have become. And I think about the tech business that if you go way, way back in the Wayback Machine, back, Krista, when you lived in Boston, Mm -hmm. that Massachusetts was the center of the technology industry in the United States, and they squandered it because Massachusetts had a brutal covenant not to compete. And so people who were developing all these incredible things involving technology and computing said, we're not going to work in Massachusetts. And it destroyed the industry that was uh, on Route 128. Is that the right Wow. Impressive. And so... 128 just became a corridor no longer the heart of technology because of covenants not to compete. And if these brainiacs in technology had not left Massachusetts, the United States would not be in the position it is with preeminence in technology in the world. So I hope that this executive order from the president is successful and that you are freed from that awful, terrible, rotten, hideous covenant not to compete. Not that I have any opinion about them. (laughs) We're not making people sign them, that's for sure. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. And please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.